This show is broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak, Michigan. For more information about the show or our network, please visit www.podcastdetroit.com. You're listening to The Way Station Podcast with Megan and Stephanie. Welcome to The Way Station. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The Way Station encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay and please come again. Hi and welcome back to The Way Station. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm your other host, Megan. And and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Woohoo. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, we were unable to do a live show a couple weeks ago. I went in for surgery and um, I'm alive. So she is alive. <laughs> this is not a corpse here talking to you. <laughs> so far, so good. Well, you know, in in Swiss Army. Is Swiss it, Army Man? Yeah, Swiss Army Man. I mean, there's like a, a corpse doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And then there's um Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Corpses can do things. Yes. But today's not about corpses. It's not. It really isn't. <laughs> Today is actually about uh, a couple of things. Um, one of them being uh, what we're the first section is going to be on is uh, the dark web. We're going to discuss a little bit about the dark web. There's a recent hack by an anonymous linked hacker um, that I found interesting and kind of wanted to delve a little bit into that. But beyond that, for the rest of our first hour, we have our first guest joining us who yep. will be here for the whole hour. The author and one of my best friends ever, Jason Shmoleski. Hi. And and also uh, corpse stuff. You forgot that movie where Daniel Radcliffe farts, but he's dead. That's Swiss, Swiss Army Man. Okay, no, then you didn't forget. We did it. not forget <laughs> no, one. I, I just wanted to point out the fact that there was farting. That's all I know. That's all I, I know. Still have yet to see. I'm an movie. author. Fart. <laughs> <laughs> and he failed. Clearly a classy one. Yeah, and there's well. Dave, the classiest of, of, of people. Dave uh, yes. decided to join us today and help us out by first of all producing and running our show. Yes, because he's super awesome, You're and because shit. he knows a lot about the dark web and computers stuff that kind of scares me i mean i don't know how he knows the stuff it d- but depends on who's asking the question your honor <laughs> <laughs> this is not I, I will phrase the entire next half hour of conversation as hypothetically speaking <laughs> <laughs> it's probably safe um, so anyway, yeah, everything, the surgery went well, so we're going to be back, um, hopefully on our, our every two week schedule and two hours every other Saturday from five to seven on the podcast Detroit network. Hopefully there won't be any more hiccups. Not that say that your surgery wasn't a hiccup. I uh, know, but, but it's, it's life. You yeah. Know, stuff it happens. happens. It's cool. It's cool. All right. So let's get on with it. <laughs> let's get on with it. She is not subtle. I am, I am not. Yeah, you should have just had the Michael Buffer, you know, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> let's get <Drop>. it on. <laughs> I'm okay with that too. Well, there's a couple, there's a couple of different articles and um, the original one that I had read is from, uh, it's called uh, This Week in Science, uh, Futurism. We use that for a lot of we our really do. science talk because they cover uh pretty much the most interesting things that are happening in science and they cover like a broad spectrum of science, including what's going on in, you know, health and what's going on with computers and what's going on with, you know, animals. It's, it's kind of, um, it's almost like your A to Z of science. Yeah. It's really great. I mean, it keeps you up to date if you are into science. So check out, uh, if you Google this week in science, futurisms will show up and check it out every week for the latest science. Thank news. you, futurism. <laughs> We're not plugging you by any means. We appreciate you though. Yeah. Um, that was where I first read about the, the hack that took place. I believe it was the week that ended in the 10th of February mm-hmm. and 
there was this anonymous linked hacker that decided to just go fishing around in the dark web. And for those of you who don't know what the dark web is, Dave's going to give us a definition <laughs> <laughs> because we wrote it down. And even then it's like, we, uh, well, so, I mean, everybody knows the World Wide web, you know, you fire up your Google Chrome browser, like or right if now. you're a sucker, you've got my, you know, a Microsoft edge or internet Explorer. Um, and you know, Yikes. you go to Google and you find sites and you go places and that's kind of cool. But there is a whole other part of the internet that you can't see or get to with a regular browser. You've got to get some software, yo. You do. So there are routers and there are browsers. Uh, like You can get a special browser uh, called Tor. Uh, I mean, it, it, that phrase actually started because of the routers because it stands for the onion router, Tor. Um, <laughs> and what Tor does is Tor anonymizes you. And so it's called an onion because, uh, you know, onions have layers and layers and layers and layers. And so it masks your IP address and masks who you are uh, as you go clicking around, you know, in the dark web. And so, you know, a lot of people know the dark web from stories like this where it's, you know, it's it's kitty porn, it's drugs, it's, you know, human trafficking, that sort of thing. Um, but, I mean, there is other stuff that goes on there, but that's why most people know about it. Right. Like right. I, probably the biggest thing – the biggest thing that brought it to light was um, – uh, what everybody kind of jokingly uh, called the fappening uh, yes. back over Labor Day weekend a couple years ago when all of the, you know, Kate Upton, Jennifer Lawrence, all those pictures got leaked. Oh, that that came out of the dark web. Really? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Um, you know what else has sucks layers? Suck. And and um, human trafficking. Ogres. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, it was really funny because I was thinking about Shrek too. <laughs> oh my god! No, sorry. I meant like ogres. Sorry. Like they have layers, but they also kidnap people. I'm sorry. What's Shrek? <laughs> oh I can't. You ever just turn, turns mic off so you're ready to talk to him? Or? Well, yeah. <laughs> When we do drunk dorks, we often have a derailed train as a picture for like when we post our shows. Because it's got his face on it instead of Thomas. It's, uh, it's usually Brett's face. Speaking Brett's face is usually on everything. Okay, one, one last thing then. Okay. Speaking of Shrek, have you noticed whenever anybody does something weird to a song on the internet, it's always All Star? No. No. Okay, Sorry. continue. <laughs> Okay, Make anyway. me a social pariah here already. <laughs> no, no, you're you're doing just fine on your own. You're good. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. Yes, we will. So anyway, as, as Dave was saying, there's. It's not only about this dark shit, but the dark shit's on there. Yeah, um, there, and it's it's an easy way. Well, yeah, it's probably an. One of the easiest ways. My favorite thing is that assassins pool, though. Are you kidding me? You so apparently. Um, I I don't know how to get there, so don't ask me. I just read it in an article. <clears throat> I'm not wink trying to assassinate anyone. Nudge, wink. Nudge. It's not gonna happen. It's my story, and I'm saying again, the entire half hour is phrased as hypothetically speaking. Uh, right, hypothetically <laughs> speaking. <laughs> hypothetically. Um, so they <laughs> they have a place that you can go to, and you can contribute money. Like they have a list of people who are up for assassination, and you can contribute money. To, uh-huh. uh, so you don't like somebody. You go on there and they already have like, you know, like a thousand dollars. You can put as much money down towards that assassination. And once it reaches a certain point, somebody's going to take say, hey, OK, that's worth the money. Uh-huh. I'll do it. They're, they're going to take the contract and try to do it. It's crazy. The amount of people that is kind of like it's scary. Yeah. But at the same time, the amount of people I'm thinking in my brain right now. Well, but I mean, it's not that far off from I mean, think about the uh, like the uh, Black Mirror. You know, I, I said like uh, yes. every. 
like every episode of Black Mirror is no more than oh, like yeah. two to three years out in the future. It's yep. like looking and at that, the future. Oh yeah, is. and that whole thing with the little robotic bees and you know yes. whoever, whichever whoever got the most hashtags and yada yada, yada would wind up being the. I mean, this, this is that. Um, have you, you I ha- say, um, have you seen Black Mirror yet? I haven't, but I I, I do want to say. And hopefully I'll have time to get into this a bit when we talk about uh, my stuff. But I'm really into transhumanism. And I very, very strongly believe that the technology and issues of, for instance, Ghost in the Shell are going to be real within the next 20 to 50 years tops. And and we're this is like already oh, halfway yeah, they're there already for the cyber They're coming out crimes. with like bionic hearts and stuff right now. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like, like the cyber crimes from like this sort of thing, like this assassin pool, we're already like halfway there as far as the crime goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and there's other stuff happening there. I mean, there's drug trafficking, there's weapons. You can buy all kinds of weapons on, on the dark web. Um, you know, there's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of child pornography and, and human trafficking um, that goes on. But that that's what made this article kind of stick out to me because um, I I did a, a, a class um, and one of the things that we talked about was human trafficking. And I went to a bunch of these um, lectures and it really, it, it was pretty horrifying. And especially when I found out that Toledo is one of the biggest hubs of hum, uh, human trafficking in Toledo and here in Michigan. Well, oh, it's yeah, like, so we're, like one of, we're in the time to all of the freeways. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy because that's so close to where we are. It's so no, close to home. But that's why right now here and even down river where we live in, um, in like Wyandotte, Southgate, that area. Which is there's, 45 minutes north of Toledo. Exactly. <laughs> we have, we're having, I shouldn't say we, we have, we're having this huge human trafficking thing. There have been so many cases of men trying to lure little girls within like the past or week. grabbing people literally in grocery stores yes. in front of their parents. They would, there yes. was video. Videos. I've seen two of them in the last year. Yeah, um, they weren't from around here. No, luckily. but but there are videos Men out grabbing there. children with their mothers standing right there, and the mothers yes. luckily being able to attack these men and get them off their kids, and then the guys run out of the store. It's horrible to think about. Yeah, which is again, it's scary because <laughs> me. I mean, granted, I don't have any kids right now. But me wanting to have kids, it just makes me that much more fearful to the fact of I need. And I don't want to be like that overprotective parent, but I. That's why you get like, a kitty yeah. leash. Go ahead and try to take my kid. That motherfucker's attached to me, okay? But you know what? But then again, this also leads to a lot of people carrying their, you know, uh, carrying in general. So I'm all for it. Well, hey, I'm swearing. You try to take my kid out from underneath me, I will point blank in the right here. Not that anybody else can see, but I'm pointing in my She's fucking forehead. Pointing at her face. It's all right. I feel, I feel like you wanted to chip in on something. You started to say something. Uh, where was I going with that? Uh, I, I don't know because you didn't get to say it. Uh, <laughs> you should have stopped us. No, we talk a lot. It'll come back to me. Okay, Eventually. no problem. Um, so anyway, the the article was about an anonymous linked hacker. As I said, they were kind of just uh, digging around on the dark web. And oh, um, I was getting the victory in bust. That just happened uh, like three weeks ago. Yes. Where apparently like all but two of the rooms in this hotel were controlled by, I don't know, Skippy McPimpsalot, whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they when the the cops got a tip, uh, you know, they watched it for a while, uh, did a whole bunch of surveillance. Finally, 
uh, they said they had something like 200 agents that conducted this raid um, because it was almost oh, every room of the hotel. No, yes. And so they had busted in all the doors at once, found something like at least eight underage prostitutes that were there as a result of human trafficking. And that's what I mean. And, and that's right here in the area. So, yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's, it's a really pro- uh, prevalent thing. And um, I was especially like pumped about this article because um, this person who ended up hacking into the dark web or hacking something on the dark web, I should say. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a hosting company. So, yeah. you know, is, you know, they, he found a hosting company that basically hosted a lot of sites uh, that provided, you know, content to on the dark web. And so it was, yeah. Uh, and apparently 20% of these sites um, or sorry, 50% of the, the sites on their server were, they or had child pornography or were involved in child pornography of some sort. Right. Just just in this area that he took down, not you know wherever well, else. And I also ended up sharing uh, recently. Uh, I shared it with you over um, Facebook Messenger, Stephanie. But um, it was a uh, small little video of Ashton Kutcher, and I know this sounds really weird, but dude, Ash- Kelso is doing cool shit these days. I know. I didn't even think I, I for a second I just thought he fell off the earth like every other fucking uh, celebrity does. Maybe they're strung up on drugs or alcohol, but he has his own company called Thorn, yep. which they do a lot of um, just I guess inter. I don't want to say international, but they do a lot of this this work where well they help fund software yes, that, that helps recognize yes. Um, you know, it automatically recognizes like postings, uh, like on, you know, your back page, Craigslist, that sort of thing that might right. have child uh, pornography. There's a really cool initiative that's going on where basically, and it's, it's, it's a little weird when you think about it, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask you to, uh, take a picture of your hotel room when you check in and upload it through your app because they use that recognition, like they use the it, pictures they, of those yeah. hotel rooms to match sense. against, you know, where they find, you know, prostitutes or child porn or anything like that to try to match up with the location. So that oh they my have God. to narrow down the search. So That's he's amazing. no, yeah, it's completely amazing. But um, in this video, I don't know if you watched it or not. But I did he watch explains, it. Remember, I told you I cried. Yeah, it, it's sad. I but cried. he explains that he's he's a father, and he has he himself has gone to um Africa or whatever you know third world country or whatever that is basically that. They, I mean, not only us, but they are, uh, uh, a lot of the children there are victim of, uh, child pornography yeah. and human trafficking and prostitution. Yeah. And he, he's, he's like, I've had to watch some of these videos. It's very disturbing, but in the sense that he is helping, like he is actively out there trying to put this stuff, I don't want to say to shame, but he's trying to, to just extinguish this whole entire, um, trade that's going on it's to me it's very i, I don't want to say heroic but you know good for you thank you no i think it is heroic and it, it takes all kinds there's all kinds of heroism that's that's one of them thank you for not being strung up on drugs and trying to save the world he's our modern day superhero there you he, go. it may be small but he's our modern day superhero <laughs> She just loves her Sebastian. I don't, you know, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Ashton fan. But to know that this celebrity, again, is not strung up on drugs and he's not, oh my God, I got tons of money. I could do whatever the fuck I want. Okay. This is totally off topic. And, but I just remembered this. I don't know what hospital it was, but it's like a highly prestigious hospital. They just did the first, um, face transplant. Yeah. Completely off topic. 
It is. But I read that this morning and it blew my mind. <laughs> and there was like a joke in there about um, John Travolta. John Travolta, Nick Nicolas Cage, face <laughs> off. Yeah. Because yeah. you'd have to. Yeah. There's no other way to like, go around it. Was it Johns Hopkins or it was like, it was like a. Pre- I was going to say Johns Hopkins. Yeah, I feel Hopkins. like it was. It was like a really prestigious. Well, it was college. the first one in the U.S. because they did one in France, I want to say a year ago. Yeah. That one I heard about. Yeah. I, I did not hear about that one. Yeah. Oh. That was a long time ago. The bag was, it was on such fire a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far, far away. away. Yes, France. <laughs> France. France is a galaxy far, far away. It is from here. Damn it! I live in Michigan. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to touch on that subject because um, I, I think that there's a lot of people that don't have an awareness of the dark web, and uh, I thought it was really interesting to see that some people that are involved with anonymous are kind of turning their their eyes onto that and. Even if it's just disrupting them for a day, it's doing something. And um, well, and a lot of the folks that are, you know, whether they're in tight with Anonymous, you know, like in one of the official groups or, you know, loosely affiliated. I mean, a lot of I mean, it's, you know, hacktivism is a real thing. And, right. and so, you know, whether it's, you know, you've got one group that has targeted um, ISIS, you know, and that's and that's all they do is they hack their Twitter accounts and fill them full of gay porn, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That's you, what you get got, for being a hater. Exactly. You've got other group, or or even better, they hack their accounts and then have those people like pretend that they're coming out as gay, which is even better. Oh um, man, it's a beautiful. You've thing. got you know groups that are in there that are doing things like this, that are actively targeting you know sites that are trafficking in, in humans and, and and kitty porn and that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's you know everybody you know you know they always think of the you know the guy fox masks and and it is what it is. But I mean, there are groups within there that are doing some very very cool stuff. No, Hell I, yeah. I I really do. I mean, it's just me. Not that anybody, not that any one of them are probably going to hear me, but thank you. Because, <laughs> I, I hey, if I'm ever in fucking trouble and somebody kidnaps me, which I highly doubt because Megan, I still eat too much will, cake. Um, they, no, they will just <laughs> throw you off the side of the van after like, being with you shit. for 15 minutes without a gag on your mouth. I'm like... Who do we call for your ransom? Nobody. I got a job. Get out. Hey. You guys have pie? You can keep me if you have pie. Yeah, like, as long as you got pie, I'll do whatever you want. God, that's such a fan. So anyway, that was that was the good deed um, of the week ending in February tenth. But now we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the nitty gritty over here with uh, Mr. Jason. Yeah, how do I how do I follow child porn here? I don't know if I can well, uh, with lesbian psychics. Right? I, I think. <laughs> now, uh, in, in in all honesty, um, people you you might know Jason from the book that we wrote together. Uh, Secrets Best Kept, which came out in October of 2016. Uh, if you've read it, you know exactly the kind of writing Jason excels at, and it's weird and gross. It's, it's mostly not, weird, sometimes gross. I was about to say no, it's, it's, it's really it's good, but it's definitely different. Usually, it's it, it horror is not. Uh, <sighs> he's not afraid of horror. Let's put it that way. Good. Um, with your new book that you, it's a full length novel. It's full not length novel, yeah. And it's it's new is 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 a misnomer. Um, I've been working on it for over ten years, but we'll get to that. But we finally got give me, it. Give out. me my spiel first. Or, get, get, oh, I'm allowed. Oh, yeah, do a spiel I'm here. Spiel? Give me an intro here. <laughs> um, I've known Jason since I was seventeen, and we've been writing together for a really long time. And I've only known. Him I for have like been two years. sorry. That's the two right. years is a shit. I don't remember how time works anymore. I'm too old. Time, so it, it, it could be 15, could be two, whatever. It's a snake I'll that takes its own tail. <laughs> um, 
I've edited this book, so I've, I've seen it inside and out. Yeah, I've done three drafts, and then you edited it, and I did another draft, basically. Yeah. So a lot of work really went into it, and I'm really proud of him for finishing it because this is something that he's been working on for a very long time. And um, Scapegoat Press is really excited to be putting it out. And uh, we're we're hoping to open up a new chapter. Everything we've done so far has been horror. And while there are some horrifying things that happen in this novel – uh, which is entitled Nod. Probably. Probably. It's Probably. it's the book. <laughs> it's, it's not it's, official. It's the first in a, I'm assuming, four-part, based on, on what I have planned, four-part. It'll probably wind up being called the Nod series or the Books of Nod. We're going to call this one Nod. Um, if it had a subtitle, it would be Angel because of one of the characters in it, but that sounds kind of lame. So we're just going to call it Nod for now. Yeah, I, I think we should just stick with that. Yeah. You this know, is coming so, from your publisher. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> Look, I'm. Just, this is just coming from a person who's fucking drinking rum and coke. You need to call it something, not to throw you out there. Yeah, but <laughs> I respect you. But you got it. You got to call it something. Yeah, no shit. Ten thanks. Okay. It's okay. Okay. So Jason you. doesn't do a lot of interviews about his own work. He definitely has a lot of opinions on a lot of things. He doesn't really talk about his own work a whole lot with. We've talked about it, yeah. you and I, but so I wanted to get him on here so that he can discuss it with with us in, in a forum that other people can listen to and hopefully respond to because I really like this book. Um, I think it has something for everyone. And yes, there are psychics. Yes, there's, you know, there's action. There's love. There's um, some really weird stuff going on. Um there's some gore. There's some yeah, there's a, there, there's a lot of gore. So this of, just sounds like something that I really want to read. Right. And, and again, I know nothing about this book. I mean. Well, and so Jason, since we're talking, Megan doesn't know anything about this book. I want you to give her the short version. What is your book about? Yes. What would make Megan want to pick it up? Okay, okay. I was I was gonna start with the abridged history of the writing process, which I'm sure everyone is just eager to we hear. We will but get let's, there let's because that is important. Okay. If I go forward with this and I've already planted the seeds in the first book, it's essentially a science fiction, completely non religious retelling of revelations using um, interpersonal relationships as kind of the forefront with science fiction prominent, but as a backdrop, I'm not going to compare it to that. But like I tell people a lot of times, like Star Wars isn't a science fiction movie. It's a fantasy adventure like Lord of the Rings that just happens to take place in, in space. space right? <laughs> this is um, a love story, friendships, enemies stuff that takes place in front of a lot of science fiction stuff that gets interwoven into it. Okay. So it is definitely a science fiction novel, but I'm personally more concerned and I do get into a lot of techno babble. I'm not going to pretend I don't, but I'm more concerned with the character development mm -hmm. than the actual like hardcore science slash, you know, pretend science but there's still right, a lot of right. That. You're not writing manuals for like Star Trek's yeah. uh, computer stems yeah. and you know they're Jeffrey's tubes. Exactly. And all that this stuff. is about and, and I like I said I do have a lot of like stuff I've made up stuff that's real. The core of the story is it's about two women who wind up in this um, government facility that experiments on humans. They develop psychic powers. They escape have to go back 
to take care of some unfinished business. And that kind of blows open, like through their actions and the actions of the people that work there, kind of like blows open this huge mess that's going to wind up consuming the earth. I think See, that's to me, really a good way to exactly. Say it. Yeah. And to me, I'm just kind of like, okay, what again? When do I get to freaking read this well, book? Mm-hmm. Because that I, I'm you got me hooked. Yeah, me, and Megan. I think you will really like it. Actually, I think it's right. I think a lot of people really like it. Um, but we're we're looking at um end of May, beginning of April. See, we're just waiting long. on one or yeah. two. Can I get it for a birthday things. present? I'll still pay you. I just, I just, can I get it for a birthday present? Seventeenth, <laughs> April seventeenth. I won't remember. I don't remember okay. dates. It's okay. I don't either. <laughs> That's what we. If it wasn't my own birthday, I probably wouldn't remember. And the only reason why I remember my husband's is because it's on the same day, just a different month. And even then, I can't remember which month sometimes. So don't feel bad. How much time we got? Because I could blab a lot if you want. We have we have a half hour. No, I can blab a lot if you want. What well, do you no, and, hear about? Uh, so you wanted to talk about the the writing process. Yes. Okay. That you went through. Because I want I want to. There, there's a reason, story wise, and um, it has to do with ultimately um, a child being born and the circumstances that that happens under. Uh, again, I said this ties into Revelation, so I'm not going to give away too much, but you can probably figure out maybe what's going on there. The two main characters are are women that love each other, and and like when I started writing this, this was. God, over 10 years ago. And my first concept was, and as an immature teenager, I'm like, herder, lesbians are hot. Let's write, let's write a book about that. Let's write a book about two lesbians. <laughs> but I mean, I've matured over the years, obviously. I've become an, a, a vocal member of human rights. Um, member of human. I became a vocal proponent of human there rights. There you go. That works. I've matured in my writing. I've matured in my concepts. And I've actually had a hard time going back because there, there's like an entire scene I cut that was fucking hilarious. But it was the most immature thing I'd ever written. And I think this book is a little raw and difficult to read possibly because you can see as it goes through. You'll be able to tell – that I've grown in maturity over the course of writing this book. And okay. like one thing I like to say as an example there, nobody uses cell phones in the first half of the book because when I was writing the first half of the book, nobody cell had cell phones, phones. Yeah, cell phones weren't a thing. <laughs> yeah, so so there's definitely a growth in maturity, and you might be able to read some of the immaturity starting out, but I've worked a lot, especially with Stephanie, as far as as – Kind of grasping those and trying to rewrite them so they make more sense. Uh, yeah, as as the time has has passed, obviously he said he's been. Yeah, no, yeah. It's so yeah. it's so funny when I would go back and edit something. I'd be like, this just seems like outdated. And it wasn't that it was bad writing. It was just again, you come back to something. You know, five he was years young after you yeah. wrote it, and in five years, technology changes so much. Yeah. The world changes so much. So. You know, I, I wonder how because there are people that have written like books that have taken them forever and forever. Mm-hmm. But then again, they don't typically write stories, and these were before technology was m- as big as it was too. But um, I know there are a lot of authors that have taken a long time to to finish their first novel or to finish any novel. Yeah. Um, for you, I mean, other than it was obviously that was a challenge going back and kind of trying to adjust everything and to more of a current 
state now. Uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, too, this basically takes place in the aughts, the the 20 aughts or whatever the the hell they're actually called. <laughs> but, so, so we're talking, we're talking flip phones. <laughs> we're, we're talking, yeah, flip phones in the beginning of smartphones, you know that kind of crap. So, oh my god, I used to wanted, to, I wanted a StarTac like my dad had one of those. And I was like, oh, my dad's so cool. My dad was never cool. First of all, yeah. I just want to state that for for everyone. But I thought he was cool for like five minutes. Five whole but anyway. minutes. So do you feel that – I know you just said that there you, – you think there might still be some places where it, – it, It'll be – like if people really pay attention, they'll be able to figure – they might notice um, some of the editing. Um, I don't think it's done badly. But there might be some things that come off, off as a little maybe awkward. But I, I, I think that's true of really any book. There's always things that you're like – why did you do this? Why did you yeah. do that? And I've I've made it a point specifically because, I mean, I, I I read and I've since the last couple of years I I very much read, and I'll get into my inspirations because this is was not really an initial one, but I read a subset of of manga. It's called Yuri. It's um, romance stories, generally not smutty, although I've seen some very smutty things. But it's just it's just. <laughs> romance stories between young women and it's always there's are always written like in this idealistic manner of like and and i think i've tried to explain this before it's done in a way to try and draw you in but it's done in a way that gives you this false sense of purity like that's basically Everyone's pure because there's no dicks involved. That's that's the concept here, and of course that's that's complete bullshit. Well, I mean, dicks do besmirch a lot of things. Well, I'm, Let's I'm be just, honest. I'm just saying. That, I don't know what you're talking that, about. That's complete bullshit. <laughs> if you saw Megan's face, you would know that she knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, people of all all genders and orientations have have dirty fucking sexual relationships with each other. Love is dirty. Sex is dirty. Whatever, but. I've taken some of that because there are elements that I that I like because they are appealing and apply that to my main characters. But I've also tried to write them because honestly, the, the elephant in the room is is I'm writing lesbian fiction, which is not a thing that's huge. Although it's getting more mainstream. Well, I've it, I don't even know if you should late like and I'm not, I don't want to label it that. But my main characters and and like I said, there's no way to get around it. So let's get this part out of the way. That is true. And then we'll get Discuss into the sci-fi part. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But something that really pisses me off, and especially like like sitcoms, is that characters who are gay, their personality is being gay. Now, I have met people in real life whose personality was being hetero. I know people that are like, you know, yo, bro, I'm going to get laid tonight. And that is his fucking personality. And they smash like a keg. Yeah. There are people whose personality (laughs) is their sexual orientation, but I've tried to avoid that. I want it to be secondary to who the characters are, which is why, again, like I don't want to call it, you know, blah, 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 fiction. But it's going to turn off some people and that's fine. I don't give a fuck. They don't want to read it because there's gay characters in it. Whatever. Well, and and I've always said this about comic books that I think comic books should reflect the world that we live in, yeah. and so so should all art. The world that we live in isn't just filled with a bunch of straight people. The world that we live in isn't just filled with white people. The world we live in is diverse. It's multicultural. It's beautiful. There's there's something. There should be something out there for everyone, and there should be. I think art is the one place that we should be able to feel comfortable. All of us as human beings. So 
for me, that's one of the the things that I strive for in my writing is to try to make it as much like the world as I can. And unfortunately, the world is really sad. So some of the things that I write are sad. But I mean, there's sadness in your book, too. So I mean, I think that your book also reflects in, in, a, in a way, because obviously, there's <laughs> it is science fiction at mm-hmm. this point, but it does reflect um, a lot of how the world is. Yeah, there's um, brutal things that happen to people for no reason, which um, thanks, Joss Whedon. I was going to say thank you, Joss Whedon, for instilling (laughs) that in me. And more recently, although I'm not going to go probably to that extent, but like Attack on Titan. um, Mind you, I just watched the first part of the live action movie. No, I'm I'm not going (laughs) to talk about that. But um, just saying. Okay, I'm done. There's. There's death, there's dismemberment, there's just people having really bad days, there's people depressed because they're in emotional situations that they can't get out of. Um, a Sounds case like in, my life. Well, case in point, the whole, the whole, you know, X loves Y, but Y doesn't love X, but they're such good friends that it would be weird to try, you can't get out of it. We've all been there. Oh, I, oh, that hurt. Ow. Um, but I don't know. Should we get? Should we get into the sci-fi? Should we get into the uh, inspiration? Do you have questions before I get get there? No, I I want you to to discuss what you feel is important about your book. I want I want you. Like I said, you're you're telling people this is a labor of love that you've worked on for a really long time. So, um, well, I've decided they want to hear about it. Primarily, I think my genre when it comes to the science fiction is what's called biopunk, which is kind of an offshoot of cyberpunk but it's dealt more with uh like gene manipulation and and organic things um although it can tie into technology and electronics uh primarily without even pretending otherwise akira was like a major inspiration for me on this and i've which is the shit yeah it is and i've done several shout outs to it i have characters in my book that shout out to it as a kind of in joke in the sense that um, these people who've discovered psychic is uh, psychic phenomena are real have classified certain things based on things they've read and things that they've right. read include Akira because why wouldn't you? I'm not, I'm not going to do that whole walking dead. We don't have zombie literature. We definitely have psychic literature in my, in my, again, book reflect approach. the world around you. Yeah. <laughs> it um, exists. I've got this, I don't want to call it a rip off, but I've got this thing I'm toying with because like Evangelion has been huge is an inspiration and I've got this kind of angle I want to take the fourth book that's going to kind of not it would be an homage it would definitely be an homage I don't know if I'm going to do it yet but things like that um, although my book is not going to mirror it in any way like Ghost in the Shell has been a huge influence on the way I write and the way I think about like interpersonal reactions and how the internet works and just how how sophisticated and fucked up crime can be. And again, in that aspect, how sophisticated and fucked up the government can be. Because by and large, the government is one of many bad guys in my book. I think by and large, the government's a bad guy in a lot of people's books. But, you know. I've also um mildly uh, ripped off Sigil from Dungeons and Dragons, if that means anything to anyone. I just love it so much. So I do have an interdimensional city. It's not donut-shaped, but I've taken inspiration from that and trying to write a fantasy aspect because 
uh, for as much as I've read, I've never really written like fantasy adventure and I'm trying to like incorporate that partially into this and especially into the second book that I've already started. Well, you actually have written some fantasy adventure. You used to DM for our uh, well, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons group. And, and I you... would if I had any goddamn time. Uh, right. I know you get older and life just kind of tramples over all your fun. Mm. Quit trampling on our fun life. <laughs> but then again, we're using our time now to do the things that we've always wanted to do. Yeah. Hence, you know, writing, yeah, writing and, and working things. on my game. But um, this book, Nod Something or Other, we'll have it on the Scapegoat Facebook. It'll be on Amazon. Uh, we will spam the hell out of the Internet once it's closer to being published. See, I'm really excited. You got me all pumped up for like yeah. complete depression because I'm not going to be able to read it anytime soon. Why not? Oh. Because I'm oh, I'm almost finished with the name of the wind. Like literally, I probably have like maybe a couple more chapters, and by a couple more chapters, it probably means like maybe fifteen or twenty. Because sometimes their chapters are like only this long. Oh, my, mine are like that too. I did the Jurassic Park method where some of my chapters are like a paragraph long, yep. and some are like ten pages. Michael yep. Crichton was good for that, but it worked. Which I enjoy. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, which I completely enjoy. I'm not do- I'm not dogging by any means, but um. No, I am almost done. And after I'm done with that, it's either by the next book of The Name of the Wind or it's yours. And I'm really interested in reading yours before I get the other one to say. Uh-huh. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So you have – right now you have it in your head that you're going to do a four-book series. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have an outline for Yeah, I have an outline for it. It could change it. Any, any notice because people are right about one thing that I've read is that books and characters tend to write themselves once you get things going. So I know where I want it to go. I don't know if it will necessarily go there. But that's what I'm planning. Okay. And you've already started uh, work on the second mm-hmm. Yes, book. yes. I've actually already written uh, 10% as much as the original one I have written on this, which is a lot faster. Yeah, yeah it's a lot faster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just finished this one up last year. Mm-hmm. I'm so. going to have three main plot lines that are going to intertwine back and forth and then converge into one, I think, at the end. So I'm going to write it in a different manner, which I think uh, will be interesting. I don't think every book needs to be necessarily written the exact same way. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it's it's fiction, and that's the beauty of it. As long as – I mean, if it's – Honestly, end, it's an experiment too. I mean, Stephen King doesn't write the same way in every single book. Yeah. I mean, not to say that, you know, uh, but it's it's – to me, to see all that, I, I'm totally down. Do what you got to do. I'd read it. That's all I have to say. It doesn't <laughs> matter how you write it. I'll read it. Sounds good. You've talked. You've <laughs> At talked, least you know you have one person who will buy your literature. That's, that's good. You've talked a lot about like your influences, and um, it seems that there's a lot of um, anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is, my question to you is, what do you find so appealing in um, Japanese culture that you're that you don't get necessarily out of some things in American culture? When it comes to uh, writing and and, and, uh, TV shows and things like Ghost in the Shell. I wouldn't say that uh, American fiction doesn't do this, but very, very often you'll have two two exactly different things. You'll have either something that's what we call slice of life where it's just completely normal situations and just – 
people's lives going through them, and it's usually not over-dramatized, which you very rarely get in American uh, fiction. And then on the other hand, you will get stuff where they will have the most ludicrous, ridiculous concept for something. I mean, we're talking like superhero ridiculous, but usually like different than that. Like there's not really a lot of like straight up superhero fiction, but just something bizarre and completely abnormal. And they will just run with it like it's completely serious and realistic. And there's a lot of in between stuff, but I'm trying to think of a really good example. And I'm not thinking of one, of course, because I'm on the spot. But <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's kind of what I do. I, I ask questions and hope the person answers. But well, well, I find this especially true in their science fiction or their fantasy is it will be ideas we don't usually see. Like a lot of uh, Western fantasy, for instance, is, you know, elves, um, humans, swords, dragons, that kind of stuff. And I think the background of Japanese culture is not necessarily more interesting, but really different. Like their mythology is really different because most of our stuff, if it's based on mythology, comes from like Greek, Roman, that kind of stuff. Right. We kind of, we kind of uh, pick and choose from a lot of different European countries. Yeah. Let's not get started on that because yeah. I could go on. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have very, very different mythology. And when that's um, used for things, it's completely alien to uh, things the average Americans used to reading, and I find that really interesting. I find really interesting the angles that science will take because, like, there's this one series uh, called Blame that I haven't personally read yet, but I've been looking into it, and it's about the entire solar system almost being overtaken by a megastructure, like a Dyson sphere or something, but just it's been built out of control. And most of the manga is just huge vistas, empty space, characters just looking out over this technological wasteland, and and they have no place in it anymore. Humans don't have a reason to even exist in this world, if I'm getting this right. And it's like concepts like that that, again, there is plenty of Western literature that will deal with things like that, but just not as commonly and I think sometimes not as poignantly. Well, and there's definitely a difference when you – Look at different cultures. You're, you're not going to get the same type of art here mm. that you're going to get, you know, anywhere else because culturally we are different. Um, families are different. The dichotomy of, uh, work life relationships and, and making things, um, kind of work properly without going batshit. The other thing they're that, very different. Yeah. And the other thing that doesn't really hurt. And this is the same thing as like looking back at music from bygone eras. Um, a lot of the garbage gets filtered out. So you usually yeah. like if, if something is just crappy and it's foreign, it's probably not going to make its way over here. So you don't, you do miss some things, but overall you're probably getting a better sample. It's like when people look back and like, Oh man, the music of the sixties and seventies was amazing. There was a ton of horrible music. We just don't hear it anymore. Uh, yeah. Like just like every decade, there's a ton of horrible music. Um, I'm still a huge 90s fan myself, <laughs> but <laughs> – and we all know there was terrible music yeah. in the 90s. But – well, and, and again, that I think is a lot of perception too. Um, human beings, we we perceive our lives very differently and the things that each person looks at and connects with in their life are very different. So for somebody to say, oh, this music was you know the best kind of music, it's because it meant something to them that maybe they were at an age where they were – their brains were developing. 
um, at a faster rate. And there was something that they connected with. Sometimes when you connect a memory with a smell, like that's something that you hold really poignant to. So it, it's the whole human condition, I think. Um, but oh, Megan's over here laughing at me. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing at you. I'm really sorry. I just kind of got distracted for like two seconds. And yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Jason, you're so serious today. I feel like. I don't, yeah, I don't mean to be rude. I'm really sorry. It's been a serious day. Um, I don't know. Do you want some? Uh, what do you want from me? You want well, some you funny stuff? Um, no, we don't want funny stuff. I, I want you to talk about what you want to talk about. But um, so I've got a question for you. Okay. This is something I don't think we've ever actually discussed. What's your favorite story out of our book? Oh, okay. Well, to continue about my novel. Um, <laughs> On a completely different um, track. I'm just kidding. No. Uh, see, that's hard because automatically I'm not going to pick one of mine because that's but just no, rude. But no, it's okay if you pick one of yours because if, you, okay, if something really connects to I'm not going to do that first. Here's the other thing. Um, I've wanted to kind of create a small literary universe with my novel. Uh, two stories – in our book do take place in and around the location that my second novel is going to take place in. Um, and I'm not opposed to, should I have any sort of success at all, not opposed to letting other writers such as yourself uh, play around in it. Dabble in that world. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were, we were lucky enough to get uh, to use some uh, creature from the Lovecraftian universe. Yeah, um, and actually, actually, I don't know that that's necessarily my uh, favorite story, but uh, Ramsey Campbell, uh, one of uh, Lovecraft's, uh, I can't think of the right word, but um, it, it, literary circles or whatever, he he was kind enough to let me use, and I'm going to put you the pronunciation, but they're all pronounced weird anyway. It's a Golanac, I believe, from his story Cold Print. Which is basically this monster that feeds on perverts. And I would totally love to have one of those yeah. modern day. Well, <laughs> saying. well, no, he likes perverts. He wants them to keep being perverted because oh, he feeds well, off never the mind, negative me. energy. Yeah, well, he either he either brings That's them into his horrible. little circle or he eats them. And he was uh, kind enough to give me written permission to use that character in a book. So we very much have a modern-day Lovecraftian uh, story in our book that directly ties into that. Right. Uh, what would I say is my favorite? I, I'm personally partial to my story, The Hills, because I went full-blown – like period piece, Lovecraftian horror, Americana with that one. But as for stuff um, other than that, I really like our um, – I forget what we called – oh, the rest stop. Because that was an idea we had bouncing around forever. And we finally put so it to print. So long. And I think for a story that ends abruptly, I think it really works. And I mean for people who haven't read it, and okay, I'm going to tie this into something else. I just finally watched No Country for Old Men recently. Yeah, that movie's crazy. So, um, <laughs> spoiler, if you haven't seen it, it's um, been out for like a decade. It's been out for decades. So, okay, yeah. I'll just say, so, if you haven't seen okay. it, then you're screwed. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, 90% of the life. plot is a red herring. None of it matters until the very end, and then you realize it's about the sheriff. It was his coming of age. Everything else that happened, that's why, like, <laughs> 
the main the, the supposed Sorry. main character dies off screen and the money disappears because none of it mattered the whole time, which is totally a bullshit trick the Coen brothers would pull on us. But that's kind of what we did in the rest stop. We have these characters and they're talking and we're building up this background and we're building up you know, information for them. And then all of a sudden it takes this right turn at the end and just what really mattered. And well, and that's, that's a beautiful thing because again, art reflecting life. Think about it. I'm not saying that something like that would happen, but I'm sure it has. I mean, <sighs> Megan, I mean, you've written, you, you understand what it's like. I to, have, but I'm nowhere near your guys's level. Uh, like I fucking, we self publish boo boo. Anybody can do it. It doesn't matter just because you haven't. If you write, you are a writer. Mm. One of the characters yeah. who dies mm. in my book is named after my speech professor from college. Because you did not like him? I did not like him. He failed me. Meanwhile, <laughs> in grade school, I won speech can competition I name one after, after speech my competition. Math teacher and my um, English teacher, who were, by the way, thebomb.com, just letting you know. Bomb.com. Bomb.com. It's a fun thing to say. We're bringing it, it back. I said it like probably a few months ago and I thought it was awesome and nobody else did. I say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And I don't give two shits about who cares. Um, Not that I pay attention to this because I'm really and I, I shouldn't have to say that, but I'm really, really not that self-involved. But my third most successful tweet ever involved <laughs> the word turnt. And I'm a little, I'm a little upset at myself. You're a little, a little upset. Lil. Yeah. I'm L-I-L. Kind of, Lil. I'm kind of ashamed of myself just like my rapper name is Lil cottage cheese <laughs> Let's not go i saw that thing on facebook where everybody was like yeah i didn't even like i think mine was like something ridiculous like it's like little pizza roll or something and i'm like but pizza rolls are already i'm little. sorry but the name little cottage cheese <laughs> that's just weird man. Like, that's the epitome of my life <laughs> That's weird. Uh, so okay, so this book is coming out um this spring. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is very exciting. And I know that you're excited to have your first work coming out that is your name, big bold letters. Chase Shabaleski wrote this. Yep. And we've done a lot of work with the editing. Um it has not been professionally edited. I think we've done a pretty good job in the meantime. But if it's a little raw, I want people to actually kind of appreciate that because I think a lot of stuff gets edited into nothingness. And while you've certainly been a huge help and I've gone through it, I'm sure we've missed things. Everybody misses things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Professional, professional editors. Do, yeah. yeah. That's why people go over things so many times. But, but at some point you have to stop. You yeah. have to say, Hey, if there's a, if there's a mistake, if there's a word that I used improperly, if there's something, it's there. I haven't found it yet. If anybody else finds it, write me a letter and I'll send him a nickel, you know, like, <laughs> well, you can just say, fuck it. I'd like it. So I'd like thinks? it in the series as well to do well enough to re-release it um, someday too. Because initially, I wanted to do what's called a light novel, which is a uh, Japanese style release, which is a novel, but it has uh, manga style illustrations periodically throughout it. But, so it's not a manga because it's not every single page. Yeah, it's, it's just, just like every like, like every couple chapters, there'll be like a full full page spread. Um, and I just simply don't have the money for that kind of art. But maybe someday, if enough people buy it, you because know, well, artists deserve to be paid. Yeah. Uh, hey, at least we're, you're not we're all about paying artists I just to want, do like, quality work. <laughs> I'll try some stuff for you. I'm not perfect, wait, wait, but exposure I'm doesn't work anymore. You're no, not just doing you know things what? for exposure. This okay. This is this is what I figured out, and and I've I've learned this the hard way. Being a writer, a lot of times writers have to pay 
we don't get paid. We have to pay. Yes. Especially if you're a comic book writer yes. and you, you want to self-publish. We pay to have our work get put into print. Artists get paid to do the work. So I feel like I'm really sad as a writer. I'm like, I deserve to get paid too. But I, I agree that artists do need to get paid and exposure is not a thing. And as a writer, I've been told by several people, hey, do this for me. It's good exposure for you. And at first I was cool with it. And I don't mind doing stuff for people that I know. But if I don't know you and you walk up to me and you're like, hey, do this, um, you know, like, Short story for me for my anthology. It'll be really good. Bitch, nah. Hey, you want to you want to edit a book for us for for exposure? <laughs> Bitch, nah. <laughs> well, my eyes just got really big because <laughs> I've been editing Almost his as big book as mine. for like ten years. <laughs> well, that's like for free, but that's because he's my best friend. So. I don't know if things have changed in the last few years since I've really done the research into it. But even to like get a book published by a a big name publisher you can't just ship around a manuscript you have to hire an agent your agent has to ship it around you're already spending money before you even get a publishing deal that you may just never get so self-publishing you know you can put whatever you want out there but you have to do all the overhead you have to do all the if you think you're gonna save money hell yeah but the advertising makes it tricky. I could have gone to Europe, but instead I decided to be a writer. <laughs> I'm hoping one of these days, if I write enough things that people you know like, what? that will pay for me to go to Europe. I can if still one be of, playing video One games. of these days, I'll eventually write something and I'll hand it over to you, Stephanie. I'll be like, read this. And you're just going to be like, I can't. And then that'll be the I end of my that will be writing history. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just going to be a bunch of scribbles. You'll have done it in your sleep. <laughs> Astral projection writing. <laughs> exactly. Astral that's a writing. thing. That's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a real um, thing. So I know you you said you had something you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I just want to push a personal agenda real quick, if that's quite all right. You said, done, it's, not, done, you said it's, not, it's non-political, so we allow, as long as it's not politics or yes, religion, not, not we politics don't religion. discuss those on our show um, much. <laughs> if you're like me and you're an Amazon.com whore... Uh, if you go to smile.amazon.com and do all your purchases through there, you have an opportunity for them to put uh, half a percent of everything you spend towards the charity of your choice. Uh, I would recommend to do that uh, personally. And again, you don't have to do anything I say. I personally we don't No, What? It, it doesn't cost you anything. They front the money. It's just you buy something, they front the money. Personally, I give to the EDNF, which is the Ehlers-Danlos National Foundation, which is a poorly, poorly understood disease that has horrifying side effects for a small subset of our population. Uh, someone of whom I know personally deals with it on a daily basis. Um, that's again, that's the EDNF. You don't have to give to them, but I suggest you give to someone. Hey, you're, you're buying this shit. Anyway. Hey, yeah, yeah. If you don't do have, it. it. Yeah. I was about to say, if you're buying the stuff and you don't have to put the money up, why not? Why not? Make exactly. the world a better just, place, people. Just log on to, through smile.amazon.com <laughs> instead of amazon.com and it'll set you up. One more time. What was it? Smile.amazon.com. I like how you asked him at mid-sip of diet. I know. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was not really paying attention to that. I promise we do not spit on your mics after. I'm just going to let that slide. We don't spit on that. (laughs) Okay. In that case. Oh, my God. Thank you. I'm really excited that you finally were able to get on the show to talk about your stuff. I'm really happy to. I got a game, too, but we don't have to talk about that now. Yeah. Well, we're going to do. We'll do that later. We're going to do an indie game uh, episode where I'm hoping to have uh, you, Brett and Rico on. Well, I'll have free demos. But, you know, Brett and Rico are 
married up and they have babies. That so. means nothing. And they're married to each other also. They are also so. married to each other. It's like, it's like We've got a couple of those guys floating around uh, our networking group, too, if you're looking for other guys. <laughs> okay. I've, that have like perfect. done their own games. That's yeah, cool. any, anybody who's yeah. uh, working on an independent yeah. video game. So hey, we're putting it out He's there. You're working on an one. independent video game. Bring it to me. Yeah, we're definitely interested in doing um, a whole two hour show about it because there are a lot of uh, fantastic uh, programmers and, and visionaries in the independent you gaming community so here in Michigan, smart. and definitely uh, want to represent. I feel like a dumbass compared to. Some people. Well, there's a there's a whole track of that at uh, PenguinCon at the end of April. So depending on when you're doing it, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that I could probably you know, could probably tap into. Um, I just well. have to. I'm going to be at Fantasticon Lansing in April, so I just have to double check and make sure that it's not the same weekend because I think it might be. No, I think it might be. So I mean, it's, I'm just saying, like, I just yeah. I know that like I'm paying attention to like that track as it's getting put together. So like, if you needed help finding people or whatever, beautiful. Dave, you always friend. Don't feel bad, Megan. We're the dummies because we devote our our blood and our sweat to these things because we love them. We're never going to make any money off them unless unless we're not and it's minecraft and, you know seriously screw that guy. but i oh my god my time blood sweat and tears into being a couch potato that you know what? hold on by other means that's fun saying. at least you're having fun exactly right? no i'm having fun i'm enjoying what i'm doing look just- i'm on the yeah, fast track to losing weight so we're good all right <laughs> thank you again that was really for coming on. is there anything else uh you want to remind people when it's yeah, coming out where um, they, look can find for it, Nod, how they can find you? Um, I I am on Facebook. I will have my own Facebook uh, related to my writing. Um, you will be able to find that through uh, Facebook.com slash what is it, Scapecode Press? Yep. Or I will be posting there and I will be posting there. Uh, the book will be Nod or some variation thereof. I will be spamming the hell out of it. We'll, and, we'll post it. Um, so we look for that. that. Uh, buy our book. Secrets best kept. It's only ten bucks on Amazon. Leave a review if you hate it, if you love it. As long as it's constructive and honest, that's all we want. Right now, we have a five star review or three of three five star reviews. Yeah, not bad, not bad. We only have three reviews. I was about to say I still have yet to put a review on there. So you're terrible. I am a terrible friend. I love you guys, but I'm a terrible friend. It's okay. Yeah, look for look for my book. Look for our book. Hopefully, uh, when I get my ass in a gear, I will be posting things on uh, the Scapegoat Facebook on a regular basis. And again, smile.amazon.com. Free money to charities that you don't actually have to pay for. You can feel kind of good about yourself while you're buying your butt plug off of Amazon. There you go. There you go. Or your uh, DVD rewinder is a gag gift. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) We still have DVDs. Speaking of DVD, we have it in. um, No, it's not what I wanted to say. Never mind. <laughs> I was thinking VHS in my brain. Yeah, well, because okay. he's a rewinder. I know. You, yeah, you, you can buy a DVD rewinder. It's just you. all no, it no. does is spin the disc. I understand. That's all it does. I understand. It's okay. My right. my brain jumped ahead of myself. It's okay. It happens. It happens okay. to the best. So we're well, going to take a little bit of a break. Um, When we come back, we have Nikki Hawkins joining us from Head Shrinkers Press. Whoop, we're going to talk whoop. about Landslide, which is this great monster comic that is up on Kickstarter right now. I like monsters. And uh, we have a surprise guest tuning in to talk it's about me. Kickstarter. It's not me. <laughs> so we'll see you shortly. Get a beer. Go to the bathroom. I don't know. Hug a puppy. And we'll see you in a few. Bye. Hello and welcome back to the Waystation. I'm Stephanie. What's up, Megan? 
<laughs> I, first for a minute, I thought you weren't going to just introduce yourself. I thought you were just going to say that. You know what? I was thinking about it, but then I was like, nah, let's just do one more time for shits and gigs. <laughs> we're bringing that back from like 20 years ago. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you um, to our uh, guest from last hour, Jason Chmielewski, for talking about his writing process yes. and for discussing the independent writing scene here in Michigan. It's a wonderful thing. And we're going to continue talking about the indie scene, not just here, but in the beautiful city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Whoop, whoop, whoop. With our I know, right? I'm representing <laughs> for you. And, you know, normally, you know, people from Michigan and, and people from Ohio, we kind of have like this whole rivalry. I love people from Ohio. So I'm just one well, of see, I people. love people from Michigan. So, oh my cool. God. I'm feeling so, I feel so loved right now. It's so cute. <laughs> I love it. So, our guest for the next hour of our show until we close down and until the next one is Nishi Hawkins. And he is from Head Shrinkers Press. Thank you for Hi. joining Hi. us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot going on for you right now. Um, yes. Uh, a- seems like to be the constant lately. There's always something going on, but not a bad thing. Right. Well, and, you know, least of, well, I guess most of all, probably right now is the Kickstarter. I've heard so many horror stories about how stressful uh, doing a Kickstarter is. From It is. It, it, it definitely throws you out of, uh, well, well, for me anyways, it threw me out of what I'm used to, to doing. Uh, it, it's kind of, you know, you got to get out there and you got to bug people. And that's something that I've never been too good at doing. So it, it's, uh, it's a learning process and it's also, it's a teaching process. I mean, you know, it teaches you how to get out there and promote yourself and market yourself as a writer and whatever project that you're you're pushing. And, you know, it's, it's a good thing. So regardless, win or fail, you learn something and you take away something for the next time you do it. And that's the kind of positivity we need in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not everything can be a win, but as long as you can take something that isn't a win and turn it into a win later or find or something. Or maybe just learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. There's a lesson in everything, you know? <laughs> I guess there is. I agree. One hundred and twenty five percent. Even though that's not scientifically possible. (laughs) It is in my world. Okay. don't hate. So tell us a little bit about Landslide Cursed Ground. Uh, Landslide, you know, I've had multiple people ask me how how, would I how to come up with Landslide? And I guess it's. You know, I, I've tried to put it in the words. I guess maybe it's too many late night horror movies or too many role playing games or, you know, comic books, you know, being too young reading the comic books I was reading. But it's, it's something that embodies, I guess, the old time monsters, you know, the old time, um, you got your old swamp thing, man thing, the heap, uh, Godzilla, you know, it, it's all of that. You know, you can definitely see the influences in Landside, but I tend to tend to go a little darker with it. I take things, you know, maybe of the classics and, and really add a darker twist to it. Um, and so it's, I would call it a, a fantasy adventure with a dark side. Well, the dark side does exist in fantasy adventure. I was about to so. say, and that is not a bad right? thing. <laughs> we're, we're kind of about the dark side. Especially, <laughs> especially nowadays. I think a lot of people admire, I mean, granted, we all respect the classic horror or the classic, just the, the mystery and even sci-fi. But modern day, I mean, now we're, it's like we're thrill seekers. We want more. We want more. We're constantly looking for more. So you adding that little bit of a twist is just that much better. Megan is basically saying we're all desensitized. Yeah, we're all desensitized (laughs) and we're all a little bit messed up in the main main brain. So, you know, it's good. 
I, I guess. It's that, and it's, you know, you, you've got a whole generation of short attention spans out there. I mean, there's so much to see and do and so much being, you know, overloaded in your, your, sensor, you know, your senses. And it's like, you've got to do something to get somebody's attention within the first either a couple paragraphs or pages or you've lost them. And so that's that's one thing that you've, you've got to realize is the day and time you live in, you're not going to get away with some of the old comics that, that may have been big hits back in the day because people have seen it. People have done it. You know, it's, you've got to stay new. You've, you've got to have something that, that catches their attention quick and holds it. I agree. Especially if, like, you go nowadays, you say, I mean, now it's really sad, too, because stuff like that, like, nowadays you hear uh, you're, everybody's talking about, oh, Twilight and all this other garbage crap. Do people still talk about Twilight? I don't, you know, I don't know because I, again, haven't really been paying attention because <laughs> I just don't cave. pay attention that often. No, but no more back then, vampires. No, no but more, back no then we were like, we were scared of Nosferatu. That's that's what we were scared of. And I mean, granted, I'm probably the I will definitely hold on. Let me rephrase that. I am the youngest person here. And me saying that that's got to mean something. But that's the stuff that we that that we were interested in the uh, um, the real life or I don't want to say real life, but uh, Dracula, the actual just stuff that was real to us stuff that was just portrayed as so like like wrestling like wrestling <laughs> <laughs> swear wow. i used to watch okay i used to watch wrestling when i was a kid and i was really into it the older i got i kind of was just like <laughs> and i know a lot of people probably hate me for that but i'm very very sorry i just can't get into it anymore i respect the people who watch it that's that is your thing that's great every once in a while i like to watch little snippets here and there but i can't i can't it's still real to some people. I'd rather Aww. watch. Not me. <laughs> I was like, you took us to boxing. I admired that. Huh? That was fun. That was fun. Watching people beat people up with. I'm good. A lot of <laughs> Megan has stress issues. issues. I do have but a lot of issues. Excuse the, me. The classic horror show. I mean, I do. I remember I lived in D.C. Uh, when I was a kid and TV 20 always had the classic monster movie marathons, you know, and it, and it was, it was, you know, swamp thing. It was the Godzilla movies. It was, you know, that, just that whole same kind of thing, you know, staying up way too late, much, much later than I should have, you know, watching things I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was seven, um, which probably shaped the psyche that exists today. See, and I think part (laughs) of it is because when I was growing up, I lived with my grandparents for probably the better part of seven years. Um, so they raised me. I watched a lot of old um, Abbott and Costello, um, D. Martin and Jerry Lewis. Those were the movies to me that I love to watch, stuff that I could watch with my grandparents because my grandmother at the time was a Jehovah's Witness, which she still is, but my grandfather wasn't. So every once in a while, him and I would sneak in you know, maybe a wolf man or um, <laughs> the invisible man or something like that. Like, And, and I would... You rebels, you I, I would I would soak it in and nowadays i don't think i don't think kids get that enough so i mean for these for landslide in particular this is just this is great this is i guess it's it's a start for um i don't want to say it's a start for kids because i'm not gonna you know hand my kid a novel not not. that i have (laughs) not that i have children right now but it's something that they could probably like somebody who has definitely been there and seen all those old school monsters somebody could appreciate and that's what i respect i agree completely no it's 
It is. It's an embodiment of it. I mean, I go a little further with it. You know, I like the the, the kaiju. I don't know how you pronounce it. The uh, kai, kaiju. 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 Yeah. I love those battles. Big old monsters fighting it out over the horizon. You know what I mean? And that's that's something I want to explore in this as well. So there's a lot of different there's a lot of different aspects of this book that I would like to delve into. It's it's kind of a personal book. It was something that I didn't really do to, I guess, for you know to please a crowd. It was something I needed to get out of it. It was just it's a fantasy world that I just wanted to get out, and I love it. You know, it's, it was one of the first ones I started writing on one of the first books, and um, I just actually put the first issue together, and I and I went back and I was like, man, I was like it's been a while since I've written this, you know, I've come a long way since writing this book, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be this good. And when I put it all together and I sat down and read, it, I loved it. And I'm like, man, I love it. I did a good job. Even back then I did a good job. So, so I really I, like it. It, it. it really, um, it's, it's something personal for me. So I, I, with that being said, I do have a question. The first one, is it a book or is it a, a graphic novel? Is it just a, a comic? What was the first one? Because right. I, it's, I, it's, I it's didn't, I personally didn't get a chance to, to take a look at that. Oh, you mean the original? Okay, so originally it started off as a short story that uh, I was publishing in Headfinger's Press Presents for a couple of years. Um, it was three eight-page short stories. Actually, the first one, uh, People of Pachamama, it's up for an award for the Space Awards. Uh, it's, it was the first landslide I ever did, it, like a little short eight-page eight story. And uh, it, right now it's up for an award for for the Space Awards. So that's, that says something for me. You know, it was the very first one I did, and it's, it's already, you know, gotten attention like that that's so, amazing uh, that's kind yeah. of congratulations and, and i took excuse me oh no i was just saying congratulations i'm sorry oh thank you thank you it's not one yet i'm one of the finalists but the fact that i'm even a finalist is you know, it's good enough for me oh yeah um so it started off with those three stories uh i you know i've always wanted to do the first issue i wrote the first issue probably before i wrote those three stories uh but i wanted to explore it a little bit and just to see where it went see you know if anyone even took interest in it um, and then after I finished the three, I was like, heck yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing this. So this is where, uh, this is where it picks up and starts. The other ones were just preludes. I called them roots because something, you know, they were three little stories that happened back in time before the new story takes place. Awesome. So what, so again, what was the new one? What's the new one about exactly? I mean, you said it was about, you know, monsters, but what exactly, I mean, I'm not asking for a word for word, but what was it? Right. What is it about? It's, it's a his- you know, I, I like to add a little history in my stories, even if it's a deviation of history or even if I take parts and manipulate it or whatever. I'd still like to add a little bit of history. It's it's intriguing to me. So the setting is in the late 1800s during the building of the Panama Canal. Um, it, it goes through the, the Panama Canal Company starting the first dig ever. And if you know anything about the history of the Panama Canal, the, the first people that dug it was Ferdinand Lesseps and a, and a partner he had named Charles. Um, and, and they they started off and they, they started the, the initial dig of it and they ended up failing because they wasted away all these investors' money and there was you know a bunch of people died from working in, the, in this they called it the ditch uh, just horrible conditions um, so a lot of people died from that and you know the mosquitoes were, were carrying diseases and it was just it, it ended pretty badly and then someone else came along and, and took it up so my story takes place during that first build and I'm like what if it was landslide or a monster or something that stopped from doing this so. The story follows a man from Jamaica. He is an Obi man, which is it's a sort of voodoo. It's an actual religion, mm-hmm. and he goes to work in the ditch. And he doesn't like it. He uh, he doesn't like what's happening there. And he happens to be in possession of a landslide stone seed, which actually grows a landslide monster. So he plants that by the ditch, and then the rest is you have to see. Now, 
Okay, first of all, I want one of those seeds because if I can control a monster, <laughs> and we've already discussed who I would kill earlier before we, uh, we went on we Yeah, went we on were air. reading your Kickstarter and we were like, well, you see. <laughs> I already know who I'd take down. <laughs> um, I chose a good question. It, it was no, a it, very good question. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those uh, games you're going to play with your friends like late at night when you've what had a couple bottles do? of wine. <laughs> but um, anyway, our, we have our special guest, actually, who just called in. Uh, Jerk, are you there? I am here. I heard someone mention Kickstarter, so poof, I appear in a plume of black smoke <laughs> like, for a few minutes. Somebody rubs the wrong lamp. Well, and there was, and there was even wrestling talk a few minutes ago. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, right exactly. That too. Yeah, that, that was no lamp. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just that. Um, Dirk and Nisha, you guys are familiar with each other, I do believe. We know each other. Oh, Way yeah. back to the sandbox. <laughs> What's going on, brother? How you doing? How you doing? Good, good. How are you? <laughs> Good. I, I want to let it be known publicly that I'm here willing to help out and chat for a minute, regardless of the fact that I'm going to be destroying uh, uh, your your friend, Landon Faulkner, and heavy metal karaoke at Cherry Capital Comic-Con. So let it be known that, that that's the kind of guy I am, that regardless of the fact that I will be uh, hobbling uh, Head Shrinker Press with the destruction of land oh. and, and heavy metal karaoke. That I'm still here for you now, and I hope that does nothing to destroy our our wonderful uh, our friendship. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> He's like I could care less. <laughs> I'm just here to plug my Kickstarter. That's not. It's funny with Kickstarter. It's like you hit the nail on the head. Once you launch a Kickstarter, everything you do, you live and breathe for 30 days is Kickstarter. And, and people that have never run a Kickstarter don't understand what that does to you. So you're right. And I get it. But, that, but hey, that's why you're here. What does like what? What exactly entails running a Kickstarter? Because I... 30 days, I, 30 days of hitting the refresh button. I'm, I'm, I'm Are we there yet? 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 No, um, I, I think the biggest thing with Kickstarter, honestly, yeah, I, uh, I've i run uh, four Kickstarters now, three myself, and the very first one I did was was more directly in conjunction with Devil's Due. Um but yeah, I just finished my my fourth Kickstarter uh, a couple months ago, and I realized that it, it, it that fourth one for the Emerald Omnibus put me over the hundred thousand dollar mark in pre sales. You're welcome. Which, <laughs> back, yeah, yeah, thank you. Actually, Nick was the one that put us right over the edge. See, uh, I told you, you're welcome. Which, uh, no, and, and Stephanie, which 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 makes me feel bad that I'll also be destroying the big titty mannequins and karaoke That's and and But I I did. Carmela says otherwise. Um, no, um, I, I think the biggest thing, I think the, the way that you can have success on Kickstarter and, and how to make Kickstarter successful is you really have to realize, one, it's two, two things. One, it's kickstarting. It's not funding. You really have to look at a Kickstarter like, okay, what's the amount of money I need from other people as a guarantee to kickstart the existence of this thing. I think a lot of people at Kickstarter say, I need $40,000 to launch this book, so I'm going to ask for $40,000. You know, ask $40,000 in pre-sales or, or whatever. That, that's not, I don't think, I truly don't think that's the intent of the, of the platform. It's really, the, as the name says, the Kickstarter. So it's like, how much do I need as kind of a, a sign of good faith and, and uh, a litmus test that the audience is out there that if I can get 25 or 50% of my costs up front, I'll kick in the rest 
to start the, to make this project happen. So I think that's the, the first C. And the other thing I think on that is um, really how you pay it forward to the people that are willing to do that for you. You know, when you're doing a Kickstarter, people are putting in their money up front for something they're not going to get for several months. And really, if they sign a good faith, what are you doing through that Kickstarter platform to really reward those early adapters that are there to help you out and support you and make that project become a reality? What are you doing? <laughs> did you did you just legitimately ask him what I he's did. doing? I, I did. I did. What are you are you asking me? <laughs> yeah. Or you ask your your other guest? <laughs> you know what? I haven't. I haven't. And and this is in all honesty. I briefly looked over the Kickstarter, but this was for the show because you know you know here at, at Waystation we like to do at least a little bit of research because I'm right. when I get. Literally, Stephanie knows all about all this stuff. I'm completely clueless 90% of the time. She's like, hey, look up this stuff. Read this. Make sure you know some stuff about it. And then you were good to go. And I'm like, okay. Me, I briefly looked at the Kickstarter, saw some things. I was like, oh, this is really awesome. But when I actually talk to the person, that's when they actually give me, like, I like to hear from said person themselves. I like them to give me the... She likes other people to do the work for her. Yes. <laughs> I think that's that's systemic of one of the the charges we're tasked with when we run a Kickstarter is oftentimes running Kickstarters because we're self-publishing a book or we're working with a publisher and we're we're trying to really uh, expose a very large audience who is not necessarily familiar with our work to our work. So in that sense, you're actually you're actually filling the role of 99 percent of our audience on something like this on Kickstarter. You there know, you go. people no, want to go and, and look and see what's out there. So this is very true. But I mean, for me, when I have somebody on the show, and I mean, this I'm not speaking for Stephanie. I'm speaking for myself. Thank I you like for not to speaking hear, for me. I know, but I like to personally, I like to hear <laughs> that person and the passion that they're speaking about their material. I like to understand that, hey, I put my heart and soul into this material. I've I, I worked hard on this. And this is why I feel like, hey, you take a look at it. This is you why you should be interested. Now. I want, yes, she because, because, you know, but, again, I we've dealt <laughs> We've dealt with some people in the past who, yeah, they might want you to back their Kickstarter. But again, is that passion really there? Do they really want you to back their Kickstarter for the material or do they want you to back their Kickstarter for the money? Mm-hmm. That that in itself, I like to hear that passion. And I don't mean and I, I don't I don't mean to um to to cause any, you know, um you're not trying to bring the ruckus. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not trying to cause anything in between anyone because I respect every person we have on this show. I, I really do. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that. But I, phys- I just really like to hear. Well, I like that, to hear this from is an said person for them to talk about it. Exactly. So I mean, not only are you selling it to me, but you're selling it to the people who are listening, and. I guess it's just if you if honestly, I feel like if you could sell it to me, then hell, you could sell it to anybody because I have the attention span of a goldfish sometimes. Just saying. That is how the world is nowadays. I'm telling you, it's, you've got a bunch of goldfish running around. So you've got to have something shiny. 
it goes back to the uh, discussion we were having, like you know, in the first like ten minutes of this yeah. conversation. No, I agree, <laughs> but yeah, but there are some times where yes, I'm just that's how I am, and again. Me being the youngest person in here, I'm a prime example. But at the same time, yes, I, I mean, there are times where I am just like, okay, well, what's going on? Like, what? Give me, give me the details. But then there's times where I could sit there and be like, okay, whatever, you know, just whatever you feel like, let's do it. So, okay, what I think Megan's trying to get to here, <laughs> what she thinks, <laughs> yeah, it might not be correct, but this is because this Lord only to. knows what I think. <laughs> um, so. She wants to hear your passion, Nichi. So what is it that made you bring Landslide to Kickstarter? This is your first one, I know. It is. It is. Um, I'll tell you what. It, I didn't bring it to release the book. It wasn't, you know, if I don't make this Kickstarter, the, the book doesn't release. That's not, that's not what I did. I, I came out here to, to kind of get exposure. I didn't know. You know the first, in the first Kickstarter, I knew this was a learning experience, so I didn't know if it was going to be successful or not. So I jumped in to try and, and get exposure for it and to learn about Kickstarter by doing this. Yes, I'm passionate about my book. It's it's getting produced regardless if if the Kickstarter makes it or not. But this all comes out of our pocket. So this is something that you know we produce out of pocket from you know a nine to five job, and we get out there and it, you know it helps to have fans that love what you're doing and and fund what you're doing because this is what they're into, and that's that's what I'm looking for is other people that enjoy the genre that I'm writing and, and producing and the kind of comics that and they have the same taste as me, and that's what they want to see. I think I think there's a lot of them out there too. I think uh, the monsters and you know we were talking about kaiju. That that sort of thing has a, a good a good place in a lot of people's hearts. Especially, I mean, I mean I don't know if it's just because I've read like everything under the sun, but I love monsters. I'm a big fan. So oh yeah, right. It's, I think it's a hot thing now. You know, it, it is. A, it's a hot genre, monsters. So it's you know. I think I'm in it at the right time. I, you know, I got the right stuff for it. It's just, it's all about exposure, you know? And I think one of the, the biggest lessons I've learned doing this Kickstarter is before you ever do a Kickstarter, you have to be promoting that Kickstarter like it's already live. And I didn't know that. Right. I, I come from the world of you don't promote a book until it's done. You're not just going to go out there and say, hey, I'm making a book. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt the same way about a Kickstarter. I am going to do a Kickstarter, but I've learned that you should do that. You should be out there promoting the sample page or the preview page and hitting it just like if you were live. Because I didn't do that. So that, that kind of, you know, I've learned that after, you know, the first week or so that, hey, you should have been out here doing this before that. So, it's you know, it's a learning process. And if it's your first one, you, you can't get discouraged if it's, if it's not taken off the way you want. It's, it's a learning process. You, you know what to do now going into your next one, what you didn't do last time. Absolutely. And Dirk, uh, being somebody who's had, you know, several successful Kickstarters, I mean, what do you, what would you give as advice to somebody who's doing their first Kickstarter and, you know, trying to kind of learn about the whole process? You know, I I think one of the best analogies I ever heard about Kickstarter was uh, when you promote on social media about your Kickstarter and Doug Pascavich, who does the book Arsenic Lullabies, you know, brought this up. So credit credit's due, but uh, he said, it's like throwing red paint in the ocean and you can see where you threw the red paint for a moment. And within five minutes, it's like it was never there. You know, so there's this very fine line between what you feel is oversaturating people with information about it. If you're using social media as one of your key uh, methods to get your word out about that Kickstarter and also making sure you're not spamming people. But that comes to the second point, which I think a couple of you touched on, which is knowing your audience and engaging your audience. You know, this particular Kickstarter is about uh, for people who like monsters. Okay. If you like monsters, this might pique your interest. If you're looking for a fresh comic. This is something that'll pique your interest, you know, 
And, and it's very important to recognize that. And then when you're targeting, you know, your readers or, or other potential readers, you know, letting people know, having a very clear message, this is what this is. This is the entry point to get it. And then if you want to treat yourself, we got some more stuff from there. But uh, I think, you know, and, 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 and yeah, you're right. Other than that, you just plug in and go. Uh, obviously, as much as you can tell people about in advance is helpful. Uh, uh, a successful first day helps. And um, in a perfect world, having a chance to promote, you know, what you're doing for months before that to let people know, or at least weeks before that to let them know. Because it's funny, even though the way Kickstarter works is it only gets, it's, you only collect the funds if it's, if it's fully funded. A lot of people wait till a project is funded before they kick in on it. I and noticed I don't that it. actually. I it's because they want to be they for some reason they think that if they jump in when it's already funded and they're going to get all this bonus stuff and so for them it, that makes it worth it. And, right, but if you but if you back it early, you unlock the bonus stuff sooner and more people get more stuff. I, yeah, I, I absolutely I agree. It doesn't make any sense. Ugh. But but, yeah, I mean, I think that those are the key. And the biggest thing is knowing your audience and being able to engage the people that enjoy your work already is is pretty crucial. So, and honestly, I mean, I I, I think this picture Kickstarter, honestly, gives off to a good start, man. You know, I mean, I've looked at it, I've seen it and things like that. And the key is just, you know, let people know it's out there. You know, I go to the Kickstarter page, there's a lot of beauty, there's art on there. I see the monster. You're not burying the lead. (laughs) (laughs) I I know what I'm going to get, which is, uh, which is, which is what's important. Yeah. I think the Kickstarter page looks great. It it, it engaged me. So, yeah, it's definitely. Oops, sorry. It's definitely one of the the nicer ones that I've seen. Yeah, I had a, you know, you really have to watch what everybody else is doing too. I mean, if you're going to put up a page, you've got to see what the competition is. And I had a lot of guys before I started say, "Hey, check this one out," or "Look at this one." And I'm like, "Hey, you guys are putting actual pages of the comic book." And you so I'm going to do that, you know. And that's the kind of stuff you got to really see what they're doing because people want to see your art. And it's like he said, you don't want to you don't want to hide it all. You kind of want to give away some of the farm, you know. It's it's what people want to see and they want the reason to do it. So yeah, I, I get on, I put the posters up. I put, you know, several pages of the comic up. I got, you know, you do a video, all that matters. You have to package it to a way that it's appealing. (laughs) Sorry, Megan was drawing something and she was staring at me and it, I I was really confused about what was just happening. So I apologize, but, was it the was it the monster? It was, <laughs> no, it, it wasn't a monster. I don't really know what it was, and that's why I shut up for a minute because I was really confused. It's okay. But anyway, sorry, no big deal. <laughs> Excuse me, it was my fault. It was. Megan is very distracting. I I might kick her out of the room, but no, I hear what you're saying, and and I agree. Like for me, a, a Kickstarter page that has proof of work because I have definitely pledged to some Kickstarters that haven't really shown art, and then. They've been funded and then they take the money and run. So, yes. uh, oh, the yeah. more, <laughs> the more proof I have that something's actually being done, the more likely I am to back a Kickstarter, which I mean, even then you could see, and I'm not trying to discredit anybody here, but there are some instances where people do show work and then it's just like, okay, well, you were working on it. What happened to it? Yeah. But, right. And that's, that's the main thing is you've got to, you know, regardless of, I don't know, it's my opinion is regardless of what the Kickstarter does, you, I feel like you should still be producing a project. If you don't even have the project and you're like, hey, I can't produce it unless you kickstart it, 
I feel like that's, it turns a lot of people away. Which, again, I mean, is, is why I think I really respect that is because when you I mean, like you've said uh, several times, even if the book doesn't get funded, it's still going to be produced. So that way right. you're your I mean, granted, either the listeners, but the people who are backing your project, at least they know, hey. If this doesn't succeed and hey, he might not get the money. I, I, me personally, I don't know how Kickstarter runs. I don't know if it's like, um, it's all or nothing, baby. I was about to say, you I, hit your goal there are some, or nothing. I was about to say, there, right. there are yeah. some sites out there too that do like, if, if you gain so much, that's all you get and that's all you'll receive. But, um, I, I really respect the fact that yes, you, Put out there that even if it's not funded, you this will be made. So regardless of your contribution, this thing is going to happen. It was. It's just nice to have your help, um, or, or you know, again, it's nice to have your contribution. But hey, and a way to promote it. Which yeah, Kickstarter is exactly great for. exactly. You're getting you're getting exposure. You're getting um, just people out there knowing that your work is. This is what you're going to get. And I got it gets people excited, so I I do respect that a lot. And it it definitely trains you, like I said earlier, to market yourself. It, yes, it's, this this is a level of marketing myself I've not done yet. And so you know I'm I'm getting out there and doing. I'm like, man, I should be doing this all the time. Like there, this should be how you market yourself, and not just because there's a Kickstarter. You know, and that's that's what this teaches you. Is this this is how you should be doing it. And so I think it's great. I think it's it's a great way to network. I think it's a great way to get your stuff out there, and it's also a great way to, to fund your projects. But it's, you know, you, you've got to be doing the footwork beforehand and afterwards. Right. And then and there it is. You know, <laughs> that's, that's really what ultimately what it boils down to. Actually, you're absolutely correct. And I think with time, that you know, people will be proven. You'll, you'll see, like, Dirk, I mean, the guy, he comes back to his Kickstarter, and you know he's going to have something cool. You know he's going to produce something. You know you're going to get it. You know, so I think that the history of you going to Kickstarter and, you know, the people seeing you again, I think that helps you when you get funded as well. You know, if you're also, a veteran Kickstarter, then they know that, hey, this guy, his word is good. His products are good. You know, I'm, I'm going to back it. Yeah. Right. Somebody new, exactly. I think people are a little bit more leery. Like you said, you know, you're afraid to take the money and run. So I can definitely see that as well because I am. I mean, you know, I fund projects as well. And sometimes I get leery about people I've never heard of. Exactly. So I look and see who else has funded them or, or if I've known them from Facebook or or Instagram or wherever. Thank God for social media. Well, all I can say <laughs> yeah. is if, if Dirk never uh, handed out or if Dirk never put out what he said he was going to, I think most of us would just hunt him down. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, no, no. Like you're, an angry well, you're exactly with right. I mean, the thing is, with Kickstarter can make or break you. Yeah. And there's people who I know who it's like have really done irreparable damage to their careers by not taking care of their Kickstarter obligations. Uh, and you're right. It's like it's like man. It takes it takes uh, it takes some guts to show your face in public after you stiff a couple hundred people out of out of uh, out of a faith faith yeah. statement. Amen you know? to that. <laughs> so yeah, I would not want to be there. Stephanie and no. I are speaking a lot from experience. I'm sorry. Oh my God, I'm I'm biting my lip over here because I don't want to be an asshole. But and I'm not going to be. But anybody who knows me has already knows exactly. It's okay. I mean, I could be uh, the yeah. asshole, but I'm yeah. probably not going to be because Stephanie's sitting right here. If Stephanie was not sitting right here, I'd be that complete no. dick. Hey, I all, on that you know, it all it all comes out on stuff like that. That's all I'm going to say. Exactly. Speaking of and speaking of coming out, 
I should, uh, I'll be coming out of my off the road, uh, hiatus here in a couple of weeks. So, uh, respectfully, I'm going to, uh, get back out of here in the puma float in which I appeared after I say, absolutely. Good luck. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing red paint in the ocean. That's all you gotta remember. Let people know what you have. And, uh, you have a strong product and, and that'll, uh, when push comes to shove, that's what people will recognize. So. Thank you for coming on, Dirk, and sharing your wisdom with us. I really appreciate yes, your time. Thank you very, very super much. Busy. No. <laughs> thank you, ladies, and I hope to see you all on the road here uh, soon, whether it be uh, at Greenwich uh, Comic Expo or obviously Fantastic on Toledo, and who see knows, maybe even in between. So thank you, ladies, and uh, <laughs> keep rocking, my friend. Keep rocking. Take care. And uh, yeah, to all my uh, karaoke opponents, I look forward to destroying you soon. You know who you are. <sighs> <laughs> Bring suspenders because you ain't going to have a belt, Dirk. Uh-huh. Uh, people have been saying that for a long time. Long time. So, and I still have, now I have two. So they call me the belt collector. But anyway, we'll make this much Kickstarter, which, uh, shoot me a message. Let me, uh, let me uh, throw some more love out there to you. So when you guys are done talking tonight, throw me, a, throw me a line on Facebook. We'll make sure that we continue to spread the good word for you. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, sir. And thank you, ladies. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Dirk. Take care. Thanks, ladies. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> and there you have it. Dirk could not be on a show without talking about karaoke. <laughs> have you ever seen him karaoke? He's good. Um, I've sang karaoke with him. And yeah, he's, the guy's good. He, uh, he brings his A-game to karaoke. Eh, I don't know. I think, I think Dan, his partner, is a little bit better. But, you know, we won't talk about karaoke right now. We're going to talk about Landslide. Because that's what we're here to do. <laughs> um, so I, was any of that was helpful? I'm hoping. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. I mean, he's the guy's a legend. You know what I mean? So anything that comes out of Dirk's mouth is gold. But yes, it, it is. It, it is very helpful. It's, it's good to hear what you know to almost even validate the things that you already suspect and you know and, and abide by in Kickstarter. To hear it come from him, somebody that's a veteran, it's yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've, luckily. Um, you know, with Kickstarter and the way that you're using it, I feel like is the proper way to use it to get the word out, to use it basically more as advertisement instead of saying, hey, I need this to fund my project. That's one of the things that kind of turns me off of Kickstarter. And I've backed a ton of Kickstarters. I'm I'm an independent creator myself. I've never ran one. I, I just take care of it on my own. But um, I think that there's something to be said for people who use it in the proper way. And I feel like what you are doing is using it in the proper way. So, so thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Again, that's I agree completely. Opinion, it, but... You know, you, you've got to really watch people. You got to watch the, you know, what they're putting out, the quality. I feel a big believer in what I'm, you know, I, I believe in the quality of what they're putting out and, you know, the things that they're showing you, it, it's going to speak volumes. So, I mean, is it, is they got something half-assed out here, you know, that's, it's hanging on by a thread or does it look like they've been established for a while and they're really creating and this is what they love. So, you know, you got to be mindful of that when you're doing it. Well, I've got a question for you that's a little, little bit off topic. I, I guess not so much, but um, you know, I I've known about Hedgefingers Press for for a while. Um, when did you guys? When did you start this? Uh, it was started probably about three years ago. Um, I started off in just these little, these little communities and, and social media of artists and writers, and uh, I started doing a little, a little publication online, a little uh, internet comic magazine thing called Pulp and Blotter. And from that little experience, I, I met a, a little group of people. And from there, 
we started making uh, full comics. You know, we started making a full issue comics, and I, I was new to pitching comics to people, and you know, I was brand new at writing them and getting them produced. So the best way to do it, I seen, was to kind of start my own publisher to do it. And it was honestly, it just started to kind of put my own things out. You know, I just wanted to put mine and some close friends' books, you know, out there and, and see what we could do with them. And it just, it, it's grown tremendously. The people that have come along that love what we're doing and want to be a part of it and bring us their books, say, hey, can I, can I publish with you? And, you know, so it's kind of grown from there. We just, we just keep bringing people on and good titles. And, it, you know, it's something that I put the less effort into that has grown the most. And it's kind of ironic. Everything else that I, I struggle with trying to do that you can't really obtain. This one has just kind of happened. So we go with it. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of people that start their own imprints so that they don't have to publish under anybody else and then they never take on uh, new people. Um, I have my own publishing company myself that I started for the same exact reason as you did. So you're sitting here saying this and I feel like I feel like I'm you three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you got to still, I mean, and this is my point of view. I'm not trying to you know, tell anybody what they should be or shouldn't be doing. But I feel like you should still try and deal with other publishers, work with other publishers. You, you've got to get your name out as a writer. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest conflicts I have with this is you have to wear two hats. You have to be a publisher and then you have to be a writer. And it's where do you find the time to write and produce my own stories while still publishing other people's stories and going on these tours and doing it. So it's it, it can get kind of difficult. But you want to make sure that you're still involved with you know, whoever you can publish with, whoever you can write for, because it gets your name out there. And at the end of the day, your publishing company is going to you know, reap the rewards of that because that's that's your home, basically. So you, even if you've got something published with Image, your publishing house is still going to thrive because, hey, now I'm an English, Image published you know, writer. Right. So it's, it's a balance you need to keep. I, I wouldn't stay inward and, and not write for anybody else or publish with anybody else. It's. I have a lot of friends that have got little indie publishers as well. We will do crossovers or, you know, publish each other's stories. And it's, it's good networking and it, it gets your name out there. I mean, we're an East coast publisher, but I've got friends in the West coast who I publish books with to get my name out on the West coast. So it's, you know, you've got to really think is, is your name being traveled as far as it can go. And that's definitely um, a part of marketing yourself. And that's one of the, that's one of the hardest things to do when you're an independent creator is to find that audience and to keep bringing yes, them is. back. <laughs> so and it's still hard, you know, it's, I think one of the main things that, that I did with this and the whole reason for the, the horse and the hedge press logo, the, the play on words at all was kind of flashing. It catches your attention and that's what you need. You need something that's going to catch somebody's attention. If you're going to put a banner up in your, your moniker and your logo and your, you know, your publishing house name, make it something that people remember or turns their head when they walk by it. And when we put that Hedge Press banner up, I think their first con ever was Cherry City. And we put that big purple banner up. I mean, it turned heads. People stopped and come over and say, what do you guys got going on here? And that's what I wanted. That's what I, I was looking for. I think it was just because, because it was purple. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Megan loves purple, so she just would have stopped because, <laughs> hey, you're my kind of people. What you got? <laughs> But you're right. It's an eye catcher. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Like some having uh, that's and that's you know in person marketing, and that that's just as important as you know having an internet uh, marketing and strategy, and you know having a website or having you know a Facebook or a Twitter, and yeah. and constantly, constantly, constantly talking about what yeah. you're working on. You know what? I mean, and it, I mean, this might sound kind of off, but. Word of mouth is the biggest 
Yes. I guess I don't want to say publicity, but it's it's the biggest form of getting your stuff out there. Me, even as a, a nail technician, somebody finds your work, they love it, they're going to share it with somebody. So right. you just it's, putting it's that better out there. to have someone tell somebody that they read an awesome story for you than for a hundred people just to see you post something and not look at it at exactly. all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because if someone tells me like this book was good, I'm going to go get it. I don't recall. I don't care what the genre is or. Exactly. Or the, the writer I even like, if they say it's good, I want to see why. Exactly. So, I mean, to me, I mean, and, and again, I live by that. Like me being a nail tech, I live by that. That I don't want to say mantra, but I live by, hey, word of mouth. You do a good job. People are going to talk about you. Your stuff is going to get out there. So it's it's the biggest form of press or or advertising you could ever get. Yeah, it's still the the most archaic and and probably the most efficient. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I think more people are likely to pick up anything when somebody they know is like, hey, this is good, as opposed to, you know, you go on Yelp and somebody complains about something and nobody will ever touch it again. But hey, you know what? Yelp has even helped me. I'm not even going to (laughs) joke. So (laughs) Yelp isn't isn't completely bad, but it's not completely good. Eh, it's weird. Luckily, there's no Yelp for like. Maybe there should be a Yelp for comic books. Oh my gosh! Did we did, just come did, up with it? I was about to say, did we? I think God we dang did. it, Shim! I'm going to need you to create something right now. We, you we guys better get on it. Yeah, I know. We you're know enough a, people. You're on a podcast announcing that someone else is on it right now. Oh my god! Okay, copywritten just now by me. Just saying. <laughs> yep, scapegoat press. I'm putting out patents. <laughs> Right now, as we speak, because I can do that from my studio. She can. Don't don't underestimate her. (laughs) It's the power of the mind. It's kind of amazing. Look, we only use what for not even 40 percent, like 20 isn't like 20, 10, 15, somewhere around there. They used to say 10 percent, but that's bullshit. (laughs) It's it's a lie. It's a thing people like to say so that we don't we sound like we are dumber than we really are. But anyway, you know what? Anyway. A Yelp for comic books. That's, Yelp for comic books. See, talking to you has made this thing a possibility. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> You're welcome. That one. That one's free. Thanks. <laughs> the next so one, one billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so I I know that you've been. How long have you been writing? It's. It looks like you've been writing since you were really really young. How, how long have you been writing with? Well, just professionally. Ah, God, is it professionally yet? You know what? I, I call, it, if you're writing and I don't even know, like it, it, your mom it reads kind of it, phased. it's professional, okay? So wait, maybe just I kind am of a professional into writer. It. You know, I've always, even as a kid, I used to like just write in notebooks. You know, I actually started drawing the first. That was my first love was art, but I also wrote, you know, wrote. And as I got, you know, I started doing my own comics. I would write my own comics and I would draw my own comics. And then one time, I handed somebody a script that could actually draw. And I'm like, that's it. I'm not drawing no more. These guys are killing it, you know. <laughs> and I think that's that's where I stopped the art and I just went full force writing because I've I've met so many people that can do so much better with with my writing than what I could do with it. Um, so yeah, it's just something I've I've always done. Even as a kid, I'd, I'd fill up notebooks of of these stories, novels, or whatever. And I'd always dream of you know I'd love to have my own comic book company. You know, when I got older and. I think there was a point in time after high school when, you know, you get into an, an adolescent period where you kind of run hard and wild with your friends. And, and I kind of did that. And then I settled down with a family and I went back to it. You know, I went back to all the comics and the writing. And, and that's when it really say, started it... flourishing. You know, it's, I had time to, you know, I got it all out of me. All the running was gone and I was, I was able to sit down and actually concentrate on what I was doing. And 
I don't know. It, you know, I started having kids, and for some reason, the stories just started coming, and it's 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 like a creative pressure. You got to get it out. You know, it's you can turn a story over in your head for so long until you're like, okay, I've got to write this thing down. And I think that's just kind of how it starts. You just start writing more and more, and before you know it, it, it escalates, and you look back like, man, I was just simply writing a notebook a couple of years back, and now it's it's turned into this. See, is it weird to still be in that phase, like writing in notebooks? Um, I think I still I mean, write. I, in I do write in notebooks. I write on everything. Well, I, I mean, okay, so like maybe not. I don't want to say last year, but maybe the year before. So like three, two, three years ago, I got in trouble from my boss because on my breaks, instead of you know maybe eating a lunch break or whatever, I was writing. I'm. I, and I still do to this day every once in a while. It gets me in trouble still. Right in my notebooks. And I mean, again, I haven't really – I haven't published anything, but I'm constantly writing in notebooks. And my husband yells at me because I, I rather write in my notebooks or write online or do you know stuff like that instead of actually just putting it to paper, handing it in to somebody and be like, I want this out for the public. Yeah, it's true. Me. I mean it's – I guess there's a point where you're like, what, which one of my stories do I want to show the public? You know, you've got all these different ideas and these different things and it's, you just got to, you got to find a starting point. I think, uh, I think with me, that's kind of what landslide was. Landslide was, was kind of my starting point. When I started actually producing those comics, I mean, that's not the only thing I have. I have a lot of good stories that you know, I'm actually producing and still doing, but that was the first one I took the leap with because I could do the most with it. You know, you You've got this whole option to, to bring all these different monsters and ideas and characters. And it wasn't really about the monsters so much as, as Landfight's a great canvas for me to write all kinds of stories. I mean, if you look at Swamp Thing, it wasn't all about Swamp Thing. It was about the stories that surrounded Swamp Thing, you know, the, the different things that would happen, you know, but he was still the centerpiece of it. And that's kind of how I've seen this. You know, this is, Landfight wasn't just a main character. It was the centerpiece of a universe that I can write all kinds of things in. And it just kind of revolves around this this main concept of this huge civilization crushing monster. No. And I think I really, again, I really appreciate your work and I'm glad, I'm glad landslide is a thing. It's I am really too. Awesome. Thank you. You know, it was, you, you're your biggest critic and I'm always my biggest critic. I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, you're almost, you get kind of bashful to put your stuff out sometimes. Like, is it worth it? You know, people can think I'm crazy. <laughs> so to hear that's great. You know, thank you very much. I mean, that, that means a lot to, no, to you're somebody very that's welcome. You know, at the same level about as you, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what you'd want to hear as well. When you start putting your stories out, you want to, you just want some validation. Like, Hey, you got something. Um, but also be honest, you know, if you don't like something somebody's writing or if there's flaws, man, you, you've got to tell them as hard as it hurts. You know, if you're going to be a writer, you got to have tough skin because you're going to hear it. Yeah, of course. I think it's, it's too, like, even, even if I didn't see something that I, or read something that I didn't like, I would still have to give them props because I'd be like, Hey, you at least are doing it. Exactly. Right. You put this out there. You, you did your job. You, you know, you, you made yourself vulnerable to all of us. Congratulations. Right. That's, that's a Thank perfect you. word for vulnerable because you, you've exposed basically your soul. I mean, you're putting your soul into things. If you're in it for the right reasons, you are. And so you're right, man. That's, that's a great, that's a great analogy is, is vulnerable. Thanks. Yeah. Every no. once in a while, I don't put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen her actually put her foot in her mouth. It's yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> hey, give me fat and flexible. <laughs> 
Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on and um, talking for about. Me. This okay, has been a lot of fun. Absolutely, um, and and talking about uh, your latest project, which is Landslide Cursed Ground, which you can find on Kickstarter. It's still up for like what seventeen, eighteen more days. Yeah, I think it's sixteen days right now. So there's still quite some time uh, left. So you can go check out. There's some great. Um, rewards that you can get for pledging. Uh, one of the ones that I was looking at was getting killed by oh my a, gosh. a monster. Okay. Not that I have never the been martyr. killed in a comic book before because I have been, but okay. you know. So I will tell you, and this is just because I feel like you need to know. I told Stephanie, if I'm going to pay or if I'm going to back a Kickstarter where I'm going to get killed, it better be <laughs> the most gruesome death of all time. Oh, it will be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. I might have a lot of fun at it because okay. we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take the people. I want actual pictures of the people. I want your profile, and I'm gonna take it to the artist. They're gonna draw you as is in an 1800s old fashioned style. I am down. And you're with gonna that. go. Up, you're gonna go up against the beast, and he's gonna eat you all. I, you know, I, I swear to God, there better be so much blood. It makes in living even color, a, okay. vivid, bright colored, slaughtered. <laughs> I was gonna say something else, but I was like, eh, maybe not that appropriate for. But yes, I want to die the most awesome death imaginable. <laughs> and hey, I, I can't even imagine what that death would be. If you got a way you want to go, I could probably make it happen. Okay. See, there you go. So anybody who wants to die in a comic, that is a tier um, in the Kickstarter, which I thought was really cool. Um, and that is the martyr reward. Yes. Who doesn't want to be a martyr? I mean, personally, I don't, but, you know. <laughs> to each their own. Right. So, there's, there, there's, there's other people out there. They're into that stuff. So now, other than Kickstarter, um, what is going on with Headstrong Press? Where are you guys going to be during the convention season, which is just getting started? Uh, like next week, I think is like kind of the official kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we're starting off in Columbus at the space expo is the small press and uh, creator expo. So we're going to start off there. And I think the next one is uh C4 Cherry city. Oh, I'll see um, you guys there. Some... I'm excited. That's actually, I love it. that's, that's where, um, I met a couple of you guys was last year, C4, yep. which was my first convention yep. that I ever did. So but that was a good one to, to kick it off, man, because Cherry City is probably my, my favorite convention. I I mean, tr- we go to a few different states, yeah. but that's not even like a convention. That's like a, a vacation. I mean, Traverse I know, City they, is gorgeous. Oh, Ugh. God, I haven't yeah. been there in years. Maybe I should go this year. It's going to be sweet. Should. Maybe I should they hide have myself a lot in of your fun, luggage. Man. Like, you know how you go to a con and, you know, all these famous people that stand behind the ropes and you go up and you pay to, to shake their hand or whatever it is you do. I mean, at Cherry City, they get down and drink with you and karaoke with you and play yep. pool with you. And it's it's fun to see, man. It's, it's like a big family. You know, it's just a, a bunch of creative geniuses that all want to get together and, and have fun. Right. That's exactly what it is. There's no division. It's just, hey, we're here to have a good time. And we did. Right. <laughs> Ooh, last year. I had a little bit too much wine, probably, but it was great. <laughs> when somebody's giving out free wine, like you I don't say drink no. It. Yeah. You don't say no. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. It's a thing. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are going to have a great start to the convention season, and I look forward to uh, spending some time and hanging out and, and learning more about what Hedgebanker Press has going on. We'll stalk you. We'll continue to stalk yeah, you. Over the table, see what we got. I mean, we have a bunch of new titles being released, so... We'll have a bunch of new things time you guys come see us. Wonderful. Sounds great. Well, thank I'm you excited. again so much. The Kickstarter thank is... You. I was able to say, before you leave, before before we kick you out, 
Um, <laughs> uh, what what exactly? How could we get a hold of you, or how can we look at your stuff? What are the websites? How can we- uh, you can go to? Let's see. Well, well, the website is www.headtrinkerspress.com. Uh, and then we can go to Instagram. We have a Headshrinkers Press Instagram. I have my own personal Instagram, Nietzsche Hawkins. Uh, Facebook, we've got a, a landslide page. You've got a Headshrinkers Press page. You can find me on Facebook, Nietzsche Hawkins. Uh, it, put it in Google. You'll see us. Put any of those names in Google. Smoke signals, signs <laughs> right. behind airplanes, you know, everywhere. I love it. I'm going to use a scrying stone. So. <laughs> scrying stone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much for being yes. a part of our episode today. We really hey, appreciate it. thanks for having it. me, guys. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you for everyone who listens. And we'll be back in two weeks with some exciting new guests, more independent creators, of course, whom we love here. Um, so until next time, keep it indie. We love you. <laughs>